Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and Schools, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here this morning for the Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Friday, November 3rd, 2023, and our Congregation at Prayer today continues in the book of Joshua. We are in Joshua chapter uh, 5, all right? So the people of uh, Israel, the Hebrews, have gone through the Jordan River on dry land, on dry ground, and the Ark of the Covenant has followed. Uh, we didn't read this part of the story, but they set up uh, an altar with uh, 12 stones to the Lord, and today they will celebrate the Passover. So we'll get to that in a minute. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray our psalm together. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear, he burns the chariots with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Well, it's said a few times, so I imagine it is the theme of the ver- of the psalm, right? All right, Uh, as I said yesterday, uh, we'll do a meditation on the psalm today. This is from the excellent resource I encourage you to get, Christ in the Psalms by Patrick Henry Reardon. Uh, It's not going to focus. Nope, it's not going to focus. So sorry. And uh, in any case, over the centuries, Psalm 45, Hebrew 46, has risen to God in a variety of forms from the lips of Christians. The Christian East, for example, has always followed the Greek reading in which The hour modifies God. Our God is refuge and strength. This is identical identical to the Vulgate version of the Roman West, where the psalm inspired the old Leonine Collect, which begins with the very first line of the psalm, Deus noster refugium et virtus. virtus. When the latter was translated into the St. Andrew's Missal, however, the hour was shifted to refuge and strength. O God, our refuge and our strength. This rendering is closer to the original Hebrew. God is to us refuge and strength. The same line of our psalm likewise inspired the opening of a popular hymn by Martin Luther, Ein Feste Burg ist unser Gott. 
This famous line of Luther, in turn, was to have an interesting history of its own, being translated over 80 times into 53 languages prior to 1900. Though all of them attempted to preserve Luther's meter, the English translations varied quite a bit. Just 10 years after Luther published it, Miles Coverdale did the first English rendering, which read, Our God is a defense and tower. In England, they yet seemed to be content with Thomas Carlyle's version, A safe stronghold our God is still. But other translations have been attempted. For instance, there were W.R. Whittingham's A Mighty Fortress is Our God and H.J. Buchholz's A Tower of Strength Our God. The version to prevail in this country, however, was published by Frederick Henry Hedge in 1852, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Anyway, this brief survey may suggest something of the importance of Psalm 45, Hebrew 46, in popular Christian piety over the years. You can thank Luther and the Reformation, I suppose. Continuing, the psalm structure is very easy to perceive, with two strophes, each ending in the refrain, The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our helper. All right? So he's suggesting those are the divisions into two. The wording of this refrain accentuates what we may call its ecclesiological theme. That is to say, the voice in this psalm is the voice of the church, the holy city, which is the dwelling place of God. Hence the importance of the first person plural all throughout the psalm, we, us, and our. God is our refuge and strength. We shall not fear. The Lord of hosts is with us. This is the voice of God's people, the same voice that prays our Father. This is no modest or understated theme in Holy Scripture, this image of God's people as a holy city, the church. I talked about it on Wednesday night in our sermon. Thus, our psalm touches the rest of the Bible at 100 points, all the way to the book of Revelation, where John's final vision is one of the holy city, which is the definitive dwelling place of God. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. As in the book of Revelation, our psalm speaks of a stream of living water in connection with the holy city. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. The stream is at once the primeval river of paradise, the holy font of baptism, and the water of eternal life. The psalm's final strophe is concerned with God's protection of his church in the midst of the conflict and instability of her life in this world, where the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. This section speaks of the very overthrow of the earth, the roaring of waters, the crashing down of the mountains, but in all this tumult, the church of God remains secure. God will help her at the dawning of the day. That dawn and that day, of course, are the dawn and day of the resurrection of Christ, God's consummate victory over chaos and death. The second strophe of the psalm is, therefore, a vision of peace, in which God makes the wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in fire. This second part of the psalm reflects the rest and peace of heaven. Then God himself speaks, and his words are summoned to the inner quiet and rest in his presence. Be still and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The twofold refrain says that God is with us in Hebrew, Emmanuel, to be the most to be most of the name of the Messiah, Emmanuel, which literally means with us God. God with us is, of course, Christ our Lord, abiding in our midst all days, even to the end of the world. Lovely. Well said. All right. Our memory verse is from Genesis chapter 3. We say it. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis 3 verse 15. Then our catechism is the second article of the creed. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, 
purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. First reading today is from Galatians 5, continuing where we left off yesterday. Remember, uh, what does the freedom that we have in Christ, um, being children of the free woman and not of the slave woman, what does that look like? All right. Um, now, Paul, of course, is going to uh, discourage uh, the people of Galatia from returning um, to the way of the law, to the circumcision, in other words. Um, because if one submits to circumcision again, he says you're also submitting to the rest of the law. All right. Galatians 5. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even then this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. All right, so a helpful section here. Um, to remember the, the purpose of the giving of the law. It was because of trespasses. It was to reveal sin um, and it was to bring all people in captivity to sin. This was the purpose of the law, um, as confessed by Moses and, of course, by Jesus, and then later by the apostles. Okay, uh, The law could never justify before God, make one right before God, but it, as he said repeatedly throughout, it's a tutor, a guide, um, a disciplinarian, different, different kinds of language that he's used um, to guide us to Christ, right? But it doesn't deliver Christ. In other words, it doesn't deliver justification, forgiveness of sins, resurrection, life everlasting. Only that comes through by way of the gospel, through Jesus. Okay, uh, That does mean, though, that the law continues to serve its purpose now that it's led to Christ. right? Um, it, it, has, it has taught us what love looks like. Now, uh, usually we think uh, love belongs to the gospel, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, yes, the love there is that he submitted his son unto the law, to redeem those under the law. That's what love looks like. Um, and so in this case, to love your neighbor is defined quite well um, by the Ten Commandments, for example. So they continue to serve that purpose. This is what we sometimes call the third use of the law. All right? and, uh, but the problem is, is that anytime you give that instruction, now we're brought back under its accusation. So even as Paul in verses 13 through 15 um, says, don't use your liberty, your freedom, as an opportunity for the flesh. Right, the law still pertains to the flesh, uh, not to the Christian, but to the flesh. Um, so the flesh needs to be restrained, disciplined, corrected, um, admonished, um, discouraged, externally accused. So you can see that there. The law is fulfilled in one word: love, you love, shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, be aware, lest you be consumed by one another. That is, be consumed again by the flesh to return like a dog to its vomit. All right. So, the, so the. The law is, is used by the new man, Christ, to continue to discipline the flesh, even while we believe or trust in the forgiveness of sins that we have in Christ Jesus. Um, this may seem, um, but I think the key here is to understand the two natures that we have, um, who we are according to the flesh, that is by Adam, and then who we are in Christ Jesus, the new Adam, um, by declaration. 
right? And we live this this simultaneous ex, uh, existence, as Luther describes it, uh, until our last day, until the resurrection of all flesh, at which point uh, the flesh is restored incorruptible without sin. And then, of course, we have one nature that is Christian of Christ Jesus. All right. Um, there is that little bit of, uh, not, hmm, yes, euphemism that Paul uses, talking about those who submit to uh, circumcision should probably cut the whole thing off. That's in verse 12, right? And that's, uh, the translator there is gentle with the translation. That's fine. But again, that's the rhetorical flourish that he's using to suggest you submit um, to circumcision, you're really submitting to the whole law again, all right, for justification, for righteousness, which we cannot, right? Our faith is in Christ and Christ alone. Okay, and then Catechesis is from Joshua chapter 5. Now, the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month um, at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate food of the land of Cana that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. All right. So there's our... Thanks for your patience there. So uh, so we have, the, we have gone through the river Jericho, the people of Israel on the other side. Remember, they set up the altar uh, for worship, which they did. And they, the whole people are settled with, uh, with the ark on the other side of Jericho, by Jericho on the other side of the Jordan in the plains of Jericho called here Gilgal, all right? Uh, but it is the first month, the 14th day of the month, which means it's time to celebrate the Passover, right? A fitting feast with the Lord um, soon at hand to deliver the promised land to them. Um, and then the day after the Passover, they ate unleavened bread and parched grain, all right? Uh, from the land, right? Of the produce of the land. And that's the key there. Uh, because we had back in Exodus, Exodus this was the promise when the, the manna was given. <laughs> Scroll forward. Yeah, here we go. Um, As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came to the inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. All right. So back in Exodus 16, it told us that this would be the case. All right. Um, so now the manna stopped. Um, now they have, uh, what, a land flowing with milk and honey set before them, right? He's actually prepared a table before them in the midst of their enemies. Hmm, I've heard that before. Right, and then this odd odd little story, maybe not so odd, actually. There's a lot of parallels here to a previous story. Um, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand, right? Um a man with a sword drawn in his hand. Well, you know who the man is, or at least you can probably guess already. Um, but the sword, you think about when the Bible talks about a sword in hand, this will help 
maybe uh, give away the punchline a bit. Uh, Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of bone and marrow. So uh, this man has in his hand the Word of God, maybe. Hmm. All right, so the question is whether the man is for them or against them, or for their enemies. Uh, notice he just says no. <laughs> um, he stands apart from this whole uh, black and white, uh, good versus evil, you know, in our conception anyway, um, but rather it's he who is for the Lord and who is against the Lord, right? That's the real question that matters. Um, and as is defined, right? I am the commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come commander of the army of the Lord. It could be translated, by the way, as prince of the army of the Lord. That would be really helpful because then um, you've got, you have some uh, prophetic words, like, for example, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince, there's the Prince of Peace. Think also of Daniel chapter 10. Um, then he said, or then he said, this is one of the visions, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince, there's that word again, Sa'ar of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the, the Sa'ar of Greece will come. But I tell you, it is noted um, in the scripture, no one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince, Michael the archangel, of course, who is also called there a prince. So this is this prophetic vision given um, to Daniel, um, concerning Persia and Greece, referring to the, the, them as princes, the rulers as princes. So this is the ruler of the army of the Lord, or as uh, or commander of the army of the Lord, a prince of the army of the Lord. By the way, Lord here should be as, uh, the divine name, Yahweh, as it's sometimes translated, or usually as appears in all caps, something like that. All right? So that tells us more about the identity of who this person is. Uh, Lord God, as we say in the creed, or in the, uh, actually in the Sanctus, right? Lord God of Sabaoth, of the heavenly host, of the, of the army of the Lord. All right. So, uh, and of course, we know more about the identity of this person, at least who Joshua thinks he is, because he falls down on, to the earth and worships him and says to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Um, so the commander of the Lord's armies, Lord God of Sabaoth here, tells Joshua to take off his sandals for the place is holy. So we have the divine name, we have the place standing where he's holy. This sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yes, Moses and the burning bush. All right. It was uh, delightful to have a, a few of our children jump on that right away. They saw it immediately. They knew which story we were talking about. Okay. Um, and so this is the same um, second person of the divine trinity, holy trinity, who appeared to Moses in, uh, in the form of the burning bush, now appears in the form of the commander of the Lord's army. And you'll see it with some of the artwork. Um, I found one that did it particularly well. Um, this commander is pictured uh, similarly to how Jesus is often pictured, right? So that's the reason why. Good? All right. God faithfully preserved Israel for 40 years from the time of the Passover in Egypt to the first Passover in the Promised Land. He had promised that they would eat manna until they ate of the fruit of the land, and his promise was fulfilled. As he set Moses apart at the burning bush, the Lord now set apart Joshua to lead the people into battle against the Canaanites. The real commander would not be Joshua, but the second person of the Trinity. Joshua bowed before him, 
for he knew this was not an created angel, but the eternal angel of the Lord, who commands all the armies of heaven. Joshua confessed him to be Lord, the I am who appeared to Moses. If it is this commander who is by our side on the plain with the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. Eh, quoting a psalm and a hymn. As the commander of the Lord's army, he lays out the battle plan through which his words were, will work victory. In the events that follow, he will give his people rest on the seventh day by bringing down all their enemies, even now as he invites us to the eternal rest he won through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Okay. How's that for a story, huh? All right, let's sing the first stanza of our hymn, For Jesus, Blood, and Merit. our hymn for the day. Uh, so let's continue then with prayer. No commemorations. Prayer collect for the day. O Lord, keep your household, the church, in continual godliness, that through your protection she may be free from all adversities and devoutly given to serve you in good works. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have given us your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, to redeem us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, taking all of the punishment that we deserved for our sin upon himself. He descended into hell, proclaiming his victory over the devil. And on the third day he rose again from the dead, preaching the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life in his name to the whole world. We give thanks to you for all that your Son has done for us. Help us to know and to believe in Jesus. He has, ne- has now ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of our Savior and Lord. All the enemies of sin, death, and hell have been placed under his feet, and he now rules over all things for the sake of his church. Give us fervent faith in Jesus and the blessed hope that he will come again to judge the living and the dead, giving the gift of eternal salvation to all who believe him. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right. We pray today for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted and for the sick and dying. We also pray today with uh, Betty celebrating her birthday, 
with Wendell and Amy celebrating their anniversary, with Ron and Nancy, Karen, Graydon, Joan, Philip and Julie, and Carol. Pray for our catechumens, Wyatt, James, Aaliyah, Cole, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Allison, Joe, Dennis, Len, Christopher, Sophie, Brad, and Ron, Doug, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Wendell, Darlene, and District President Willie. We also pray for our homebound, Marcy, Dan, Paul, Dolores, Merlin, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially that of LCMS World Relief and Human Care. And we continue to pray for the family and friends of Marion uh, who grieve her death. For all this, let us Lord have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Kingdom and the power and the glory ever. Amen. Um, let's continue with the morning prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. So that's our congregation of prayer today. Sorry for going, uh, having the interruption in the middle. There's some audio glitching. Uh, Whatever is going on. Um, well, we do our best here. And uh, yeah, I hope you can join us again tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll prepare for Sunday's divine service by looking at the Old Testament and epistle. Although I won't have the uh, benefit of preaching it for you, it can certainly help you prepare for that. So I hope you can join us again in the morning. God be with you all, and we'll see you then. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.